Good evening, everyone. The public safety meeting is now called to order. We begin by acknowledging that the land on which we gather and that is currently known as the city of West Hollywood is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabriolino Tungva and Gabriolino Kritz people. And also, I would just like to make mention that today is Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, now for the Pledge of Allegiance, if everyone would rise and put their hand over their heart. Uh, item three on our agenda is roll call. May I please get a roll call, Commission Secretary? Commissioner Ramian? Present. Commissioner Nickel? Here. Vice Chair Saltzman? Present. Chair Hallman? Present. Please note that we do have three commissioners absent. That'd be Commissioner Blau, Commissioner Freiburg, and Commissioner Harrison. Thank you, Commission Secretary. Uh, item four on the agenda is approval of the agenda, is, or is the approval of the agenda. Are there any changes for tonight's agenda, October 9th, 2023? Great. Um, Commission Secretary, or can I get um, a motion to approve the agenda? Move we approve the agenda. And a second? Second. second. Great, thank you. Uh, Commission Secretary, may I please get a roll call? Commissioner Ramian? Aye. Commissioner Nickel? Aye. Vice Chair Saltzman? Aye. Chair Hallman? Aye. The agenda is approved. Great, thank you. Uh, item number five on the agenda is the approval of the minutes from Monday, September 11th. Um, can I get a motion to approve the minutes? Move we approve the minutes. Uh, can I get a second? Second. Great, thank you. And can we get another roll call, please? Commissioner Ramian? Aye. Commissioner Nickel? Aye. Vice Chair Saltzman? Aye. Chair Hallman? Aye. Minutes are approved. Great, thank you. Uh, item six is public comments. Um, before we start with public comments, I have a statement that I'm going to read. I want to inform the community that there has been an increase in attacks at many cities around the states whereby public commenters have been calling into public comment lines at city council meetings and forcing communities to hear vile and hateful, racist and anti-Semitic public comment messages. I anticipate such comments may come through tonight based on the number of cities that have experienced these attacks. I want to tell the public and staff that while we may sometimes be divided on political issues, West Hollywood is united against hate. Staff has provided us with signs that my colleagues, staff, and public may use to express that we are united against hate. If you hear hateful comments, you may hold up your sign, leave the room, or turn down your volume at home. 
you are not required to endure speech that offends decency and our core values. Please let the sign show that we are united against hate and that this type of speech does not reflect our values. While these disruptors may take advantage of the opportunity to speak to our community because we currently provide telephonic comments, they will not break our spirit. We are united against hate. And with that, um, Commission Secretary, do we have any public comments in chambers? I believe we do have one. Joshua, if you want to go ahead and approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak. Hollywood is a portion of my portfolio. I'm excited to be here with you all, and I look forward to developing a strong working relationship uh, moving forward uh, as of tonight. So I just wanted to introduce myself to everyone. Thank you for allowing me the space to be here. Commission Secretary, any additional public comments in chambers? We don't have any other comments in public um, in chambers. And on Zoom? We have none on Zoom. Okay, great. Thank you. So moving along, um, unfinished business item seven. Uh, so uh, chair and members of the commission, um, uh, the assistant division fire chief uh, Smith is, is currently en route. Okay. Um, and so if we could maybe move on to 7B with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department report, and then when uh, Chief Smith arrives, we'll circle back to them if that's fine with the commission. Yes, great, thank you, Director Rivas. So moving to 7B, uh, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department will now provide a report on activity for the month of September 2023. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. We're used to following the fire department, and he's so lively and uh, personable, I, I feel not prepared. You're on. <laughs> Okay, for the month of September, West Hollywood Station uh, personnel responded to 1,699 calls for service. Uh, 73 of these calls are, uh, required an emergency response. Uh, deputies made 38 felony arrests and 90 misdemeanor arrests uh, for September. Our response times for the station are currently averaging 3.4 minutes for emergency calls, 9.9 .9 minutes for priority calls, and 29.2 minutes for our routine calls. Our averages are staying pretty, pretty uh, consistent from month to month at those times. West Hollywood Station Part 1 crimes are up about 10% from a, an increase of last year, September 2022. Uh, this year we had 182 incidents um, of Part 1 crimes in the city. A breakdown by district, uh, the West accounted for 50%, which was 91. Uh, city center, 18%, which is about 32. And the East End, 32%, which was 59 uh, uh, part one crimes. Uh, overall, the, the part one crimes are being driven by theft, grand theft, petty theft, vehicle burglaries. Um, all of those accounted for 113 out of those 182 incidents. There were 36 pickpocket incidents in September that occurred in the Rainbow District. Uh, pickpocketers continue to target Rainbow District businesses. These criminals take advantage of 
crowded venues and unaware patrons. Our uh, entertainment policing team continues to speak regularly with uh, business management and staff to keep them aware of the problem and, and try to be uh, visible to those to deter crime. Uh, there were 17 grand theft auto or stolen vehicle incidents in, in the month of August, uh, I'm sorry, September. Um, of those 17, six involved vehicles with keys being left inside of them. Um, auto thefts throughout the county and the state um, have been on the increase. We had 34 vehicle break-ins during the month of September. Uh, we would like to remind people to lock their valuables in the trunk of their cars and not leave anything visible. Uh, thieves break into cars and take property within the matter of seconds. Uh, they target vehicles in shopping districts and areas known for tourism right now. Uh, Traffic-related information, we had seven DUI arrests in September, uh, three of which involved traffic collisions. Uh, we had three uh, vehicle versus pedestrian collisions, one on September 2nd, where the driver was found to be at fault for not yielding to pedestrian. Uh, September 3rd, we had one. Uh, the pedestrian was found to be at fault for walking outside of a crosswalk. Uh, and on September 16th, there was another one where the driver was found to be at fault for yielding to the pedestrian. Uh, September, we had four vehicle versus bicyclists uh, type collisions within the city, uh, none of which involved scooters or electronic uh, bicycles. Some of the notable incidents for uh, September. Uh, September 1st, there was a robbery in the 8400 block of Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, based on our ongoing investigation, it seems that the victims were targeted uh, based on what they were wearing, uh, watches and jewelry that was being worn. Uh, our station detectives are actively investigating with leads to this incident. On September 15th, there was a robbery that occurred at a retail store on the 7100 block of Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, a suspect took items from the store, and when the store staff attempted to stop the suspect, the suspect produced a handgun. Uh, store staff let the suspect leave. Several days later, the suspect returned to the store to steal again. Store staff recognized him and called the station. Uh, deputies were able to arrive in time and arrest the suspect. Um, EPT deputies, entertainment policing deputies, have made two arrests stemming from our new license plate reader cameras in the city. Uh, we'll be working on tracking more data associated with those cameras that have been installed. Uh, which would include the, the number of arrests that we made and the number of wanted vehicles traveling throughout the city. Um, for the month of September, our station volunteers donated 250 hours of uh, time. Our community academy is currently in week six. Um, this past week, our participants were given presentations from our arson explosives canine uh, Perla and our uh, narcotics detection unit uh, canine Rambo. Tomorrow, or I'm sorry, Wednesday, participants will be taking a tour of one of our jail facilities downtown. Upcoming for us, we have um, October 15th is going to be uh, AIDS Walk LA. There are going to be road closures for the event. Um, Santa Monica Boulevard from Duhini to La Cienega will be impacted that morning into the afternoon. Uh, for more information regarding the street closures and parking, please visit the city's event calendar. Information is uh, on their website. Uh, the station is currently having weekly meetings with the city and other departments in preparation for Halloween. Uh, we're working on a traffic and safety plan that will be implemented the day of. We're anticipating a very large turnout um, 
based on the return of this event, our goal is that everyone who attends has fun in a very safe night. Um, touching on some of the information or some of the questions from uh, last session, uh, it was asked that um, our stat information be broken down a little bit more uh, with a, a breakdown of, of what some of the information in, in contained means. Our uh, crime analyst at our station is currently working on a, a new um, chart, I guess if you want to call it that, that breaks down and has a little bit more detailed information as to what crimes are committing and what those definitions of those crimes are. Um, I, th I believe the captain has uh, signed off on what the new uh, format will look like, and starting next month you will receive that new format um, to see a little bit more breakdown as to what things are. Um, let's see, what was the other one? Oh, in regards to vandalisms on the East End, um, we currently don't have any information regarding uh, an uptick in vandalisms, specifically graffiti. Um, that doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, a lot of that can be contributed to what I believe is, is maybe some graffiti abatement where people are just having it cleaned off prior to or not even reporting it to us. We weren't able to provide the citations for this month because as we've uh, discussed in the past, our computer systems are very finicky um, and we've had a little bit of issues with um, the uh, Secretary for Traffic was unable to pull the traffic citations for the month of, of, of September. So we'll, we'll add that as soon as we can get that computer system up and running. We'll give you those informations, but those are gonna be part of the regular reporting, uh, but just we couldn't provide them this time around. Open for any questions that you may have. Um, commissioners, does anyone have any questions for sheriffs? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Sergeant Teron, Lieutenant Lapkin. Um, I was just wondering if you could give us any information about the shooting that occurred last night at the bar called Apartment 200. It's on the east end on Santa Monica Boulevard. So there, there was an uh, incident that occurred there. Um, it was the 7700 block of Santa Monica Boulevard at a business there. It was a, uh, a bar, and there was a shooting that occurred there. The suspect is in custody, uh, was arrested at the scene, um, and the person that was shot uh, is in stable condition, non-life-threatening injuries. Just to give you, again, that's under investigation, but it was not a random, he was upset because he was asked to leave the place, returned back, and it was against security. So that's all, they, it was in a, um, a bystander, it was in a patron of the club, you know, unfortunately it was one of the, the employees of the club, he was just upset that he was asked to leave. That was my next question, you anticipated, what was the motivation? All right, um, and the, the suspect is still in custody? Yes. Okay. Um, and then you mentioned also the robbery that occurred at the 7100 block of Santa Monica Boulevard where the suspect pulled a gun and the second time was arrested. Do you know his status? Is he or she still in custody? Um, I, I don't know that one offhand. Um, I can look into it and find out, but um, I didn't have that information if they are still in custody. Um, based on the time, let me see, it was on the, the 15th. Um, it's very possible that that person can be out of custody by now, I, but I don't know for sure. Right. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, any other questions? Commissioner Ramian. Uh, good evening. Uh, thank you for your uh, report, Captain and Lieutenant. Um, I want to just ask one question about the pickpocketers. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
I understand that pickpocketing uh, situation has is not going away. Um, and I'm also learning from several business owners in the neighborhood that these are new faces every time. Um, just recently, I was informed of one individual who is a senior citizen who is involved in this ring, who is on video camera, um, approaching individuals and allegedly um, committing some kind of pickpocketing crime. When these individuals are being detained and released, the cycle is ongoing. It's never going to end. Is there a solution we can, that the sheriff's department or the district attorney has to somehow put this to an end or, or lower the number of pickpocket incidences that occur here in West Hollywood? Um, a solution that, that's kind of a tricky question to answer. Um, there, there's never a solution for stopping a criminal mind from wanting to do something. They're, they're going to do it regardless whether we want them to or not. Um, it, it's really going to come down to whether you know they get punished for it. And as you guys know right now, the the punishments and the um, things that keep people in custody has been severely diminished. So that's why you're seeing quite a bit of a turnaround. You'll see people. We have had repeat offenders here in West Hollywood that get caught for pickpocketing. Um, the, the the level of the crime plus the uh, punishment is just really not there at this point. Um, so people are, are taking advantage of that, in, in our opinion. You know, one thing, you know, in, the, in our community academy, I believe it was last week, um, or was it the week prior when the DA was here, all of these crimes that are, you know, all these pickpocketers are coming from Central America. You know, they're here on visas for 90 days. Um, so they're committing their crime within a 90-day period. They get caught and they go back, you know, and then, you know, the next cycle of people come in. What is it that the community could do? Is it a petition? Is it something that we can do to help prevent this from going on and on and on? You know, is it that we, you know, it's, it's, it's out of my pay grade. I'm sure it's out of your pay grade. But, you know, it's, if the visas are the issue, for those 90-day visas and people are committing these crimes, you know, they have 90 days, they have nothing to lose, like we were informed. Maybe there's a solution or something we could tap, discuss on how to prevent these visas from being granted. You know, when, uh, when it comes to preventing it, um, the thing that we can do at a local level is, is just be vigilant. Uh, people that are out the bars and clubs need to be vigilant, the, the bar staff, the business staff, the security. Um, we need to just stop at our, our level to, to deter them from coming here to West Hollywood to begin with. Um, the, the other part about them coming in on visas, that's, that's obviously a bigger picture that, that we're not going to be able to solve at a local level. Um, at this local level, we just need to be vigilant and, and deter them from coming here, whether they get arrested every night, and hopefully that stops them. That, that's, that's something that we can do, but um, the bigger picture is, is a little bit above us with um, organized crime from outside the country. Thank you. Um, Vice Chair Saltzman, do you have any questions? Okay. Um, I have a question just for my own clarity. Um, what are the laws in the city regarding 
pitching tents on the street? So there, there are local ordinances here in the city of West Hollywood that doesn't allow camping or, or setting up a tent um, in public on, on private or on public roads or on streets, sidewalks. So does that include, the reason why I'm asking, because I was a little confused the other day, um, there was a tent on Detroit up against the emergency evacuation door at Ralph's. And I was told that that individual couldn't be asked to move because it wasn't um, on the sidewalk. Is that correct? That, that's correct. So if it's, if it's anything on the inner portion of the sidewalk, it's, it's going to be private property most likely. Um, what you're describing right there, I'm, I'm familiar with that area. That is Ralph's property. They would have to have the complaint essentially to have that person uh, asked to leave their property. But I'm sure that with all the city ordinances, we, they don't apply to private property, but we can um, talk to the owners and say, okay, this is not, you cannot allow them to stay, you know, because of the various reasons, because you allow one, then before you know it, you're going to have a whole parking lot. Foot. So we can speak to the owners and we can speak to management to say, okay, because some people do say, oh, they allow me to stay in private property. Yeah, we, we can't dictate private property but yet we can dictate when it's visual from the public eye. And okay. correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, is there anything on that? You would be the expert on code enforcement. Well, I think something to add in addition to that is, you know, the, the city definitely takes um, an outreach approach as well. And so, you know, we definitely will be working with our social services partners, right, to get some teams out there to, to do some outreach to the individual to try to see if we can connect them to services. But as uh, Lieutenant Lapkin and Sergeant Duran had mentioned, um, we do have uh, ordinances that also address issues related to that on private property. Um, so if there are concerns that are reported to us, then we'll have our code enforcement staff that'll work in conjunction with our, our sheriff's department partners um, and try and again, connect folks to services. Um, and depending on the situation, if we need them to, to move on, um, you know, then we certainly will in terms of working with the property owner um, there is a, what's called a letter of agency uh, that folks are capable of filing. It's a little bit tricky and different on commercial property. Um, if uh, folks are open uh, regularly, right, in terms of their hours of operation, um, there is some limitation in terms of how effective the letter of agency can be. But if it's like an after hours situation, they do have a letter of agency on file that would allow um, our sheriff's deputies to be able to access the property. But um, as I mentioned, you know, whether it's our security ambassadors or whether it's our code enforcement staff to kind of view that, um, there are measures and, and ways for us to, to help address those issues. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, commissioners, any additional questions? Uh, yes, Commissioner Ramia. Um, just one other uh, question, comment, and maybe this is directed to Director Vivas and uh, our partners at the Sheriff's Department. Um, I want to uh, read a section of a municipal code, an ordinance for West Hollywood. It's um, section 9.04.030, sitting or lying on public ways. And that is under the chapter 9.04 under general offenses and the title is sitting or lying on public ways. It says no person shall, shall sit, lie, or sleep upon any public highway, green belt, median, island, 
alley, sidewalk, crosswalk, other public places, or way open to pedestrian or vehicular, vehicular travel, or apparent thereto. The provisions of this section do not prohibit a person from sitting upon a public highway, greenbelt, median, island, alley, or sidewalk, crosswalks, or other public place. If you know they're watching a parade, a disability is involved. So my question is, in, throughout the city of West Hollywood, we have all these ordinances. You know, there's an ordinance, you can't ride your bicycle on the sidewalk. Everyone's riding their bicycle on the sidewalk. I just quoted an ordinance that says you cannot be sitting or lying in public ways, but we have several unhoused people um, who are obviously violating this municipal code. Why is it that we are not enforcing these uh, municipal codes if they're being posted throughout our city. Yeah. So, Go uh, ahead, Lieutenant Ivy now. Jump so in. On after. our end, we, we let's say we get a call service. You call us and you say somebody's blocking a driveway, blocking a street. When we ask them to leave and they leave, they can leave. But if they refuse, that's when we enforce them. That's the same thing with the 602 with the trespassing. If we ask them to leave then and they leave, then there is there's nothing we can do on that. I mean, and that's what our, our the COPS team, this EPT team, that's one of the major things that they do. Our partners from block by block, you know, they're, they're we go and, and, and talk to our, you know, on-house population when they are sitting on a, on a sidewalk, when they are blocking a driveway. If they leave, then they leave. So we're limited to what specifically we can do. We can't just cite them right then and there because we have to ask them to leave. In regards to riding bicycles, I know that's a more difficult problem to enforce because obviously they're riding their bicycle on the sidewalk they're going right by you how would that be enforced well that's a that's a vehicular traffic that's a vehicle code violation um we are the what's how do i put this um we have to do enforcements like if we have to do specifics for um if we do bike bike enforcement then that's what we do it's a lot of the time we'll tell them hey get off the sidewalk you know ride it correctly and they do that is not a priority on on the scale of things that are happening within the city is to go specifically for bicyclists who are riding on the sidewalk is it something that we can address if we see a problem we can do an operation and do something that we can address if there's some specific street that that's happening a lot we can send our traffic units to monitor that but it's not and i hate to say it the way it sounds it's not on the list of priorities of things that are happening within the city um i have a question in regards to um bikes are our deputies out riding yes they do um various operations depending on what they have going on but they have they've gone out for a couple of hours here and there they don't do the whole eight hour shifts because that's not uh, we don't have a bike patrol team but the cops team and ept team i should say i think most of our cops team is bike patrol certified but our night teams are not. So we're waiting on the training from the department because with anything else, it's just, we have to wait for an instructor to come and teach. So we're, we're on the waiting list to have a class specifically done for West Hollywood so that not only the teams can go out there and ride bikes, but also the deputies that are on footbeats, we can actually do footbeats slash bike patrol. So we're, 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 it's a waiting game to try and get somebody from the department, because it has to be an instructor, 
to come, a bike instructor to come and teach the station. But we're working on, we are on a waiting list for them to come out here. Okay, are there any plans? I know you said they um, aren't operational for the night team, but for Halloween, are there any plans to have deputies on bikes for Halloween? Uh, probably not, just because of the, the dense amount of people that are going to be in here. It would probably just be a little unsafe for us to try to be riding around on bicycles. Um, most of our additional patrols are going to be on foot, um, along with the, the deputies that are going to be working the, the venue. Um, yeah, so the bicycle is probably not for that night, just because it's, it's just too crowded. It's just not going to be safe for, for both sides. Okay, thank you. Um, if we don't have any additional questions, do we have any public? Yes, we do have one public comment. Um, Kevin Burton, if you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak. Thank you, Commission Secretary. Good evening, Commissioners, all four of you. I'm Kevin Burton. I'm a resident of West Hollywood. I'm the co-founder of the West Hollywood Bicycle Coalition. And I do want to pick up on the previous discussion to clarify for commissioners and the public West Hollywood's municipal ordinance covering bicycling on sidewalks. Bicycling on sidewalks is allowed everywhere in the city unless there is an adjacent bike lane. And there are bike lanes on parts of two streets and of all, on all of Fairfax Avenue. Otherwise, it is legal everywhere in this city. Um, the main reason I wanted to speak this evening is that to, to comment and to thank uh, Sergeant Duran for reporting collisions between bicyclists, pedestrians, and vehicles. Had a bicyclist hit every week last month, and since the consequences of a vehicle hitting a bicyclist or a pedestrian are very much higher generally than two vehicles colliding. Each one of these incidents is its own tragedy, and we as an organization try to work with the city to reduce frequency of that. On the reports of collisions, the last couple of meetings, uh, there has been the statement face page turned in, and a lot of the information has been missing. I'm guessing that means something's fallen through the cracks in the reporting, and so I, I hope that that issue can be addressed for a complete recording. Also in the past, we've requested that the reporting of the details of collisions between vehicles and scooters include the same details as provided for uh, bicycle and scooter collisions with uh, vehicles. And uh, that has been improving, thank you. Not quite at the same level as for bikes and pets, but I hope it will in the near future. And I have requested in the past this commission on the behalf of our organization that we receive from the Sheriff's Department at least the number of citations issued against bicyclists riding illegally on sidewalks, uh, which is only these specific areas I mentioned, and also scooters riding illegally on sidewalks, which is everywhere. That's state law. That's not West Hollywood ordinance. And if we could get the numbers over the last couple of years and any details that can be easily extracted from your finicky databases and computers, we would be appreciative. The local sheriff's station has been quite responsive to our request for this kind of information in the past, and we trust that will continue. Thank you. Commission Secretary, any additional public questions in chambers? No, there's no additional comments. And none online? No. All right, great. Well, thank you.
And Chair, um, we do have our uh, Chief um, Smith uh, that's here in the chamber, so if we want to hear um, item 7A now. Yes, of course, we love hearing from our Fire Chief. Well, good evening, and I appreciate the flexibility. Been one of those days. All good, just one of those days. Busy. Uh, so for the month of September, uh, just knowing that West Hollywood is still averaging within the city 20 runs a day from Fire Station 7 and Fire Station 8, and within the month of September, we had a total of eight fires, 445 medical calls, and Within that, we had 128 that required advanced life support and 190 that required basic life support. We transported 318 um, patients. We had zero hazmat calls. We had eight hazardous condition calls. We had seven service calls and 149 good intent calls. And by looking at um, September, I didn't see anything that was out of the ordinary for the call volume and what goes on in West Hollywood. Uh, one of those uh, fires that we did have that had some significance and could have um, potentially escalated was the uh, 1000 block of Hancock and it was two-story building and smoke and fire showing from the balcony in the second floor, so had potential, but the uh, quick response by your fire department, quick action with uh, our cooperators with LA City, giving us that robust response, the traffic control measures um, and crowd control by our sheriff's department, all makes that efficiency happen. So it's a team effort and so it had a uh, positive outcome based upon something that could have uh, really extended into that occupancy. I didn't see anything um, out of the ordinary either with the amount of, which I hate to say it, the routine, the routine dumpster fires, trash fires, those are very common as you know in the city and um, as your fire department and your sheriff's department that we're patrolling continuously, there's a lot of those that go on and those quick actions are taken, but I always talk about as well that those small fires can lead to other things. And so that's just um, something that is routine. And we've had numerous conversations about the potential for those smaller outdoor fires to extend into somebody's uh, property or, or something to happen like that. Uh, the, uh, had a really on the uh, service calls and hazardous conditions, uh, saw an uptake though on, on gas leak with liquid propane. So it could be from summertime and outdoor use with barbecues and such. And, and so those failures happen depending on the serviceability of how you're using uh, liquid propane. So I did notice that that was an uptake for the month of September. And with that, uh, just looking forward towards Halloween, we're gonna be in unified command with our sheriff's partners. So we're uh, building our plan on how we're going to um, have that, what we're gonna use is an eight hour block of um, fun of Halloween in West Hollywood and we're gearing up for that to uh, prepare for the event. But once again, 
carve out, if you will, the event with fire stations in seven and eight, which is gonna maintain the uh, response for their areas and we'll have resources just dedicated to Halloween. Any uh, questions for me or if Danny had anything? Um, um, I actually have a question before I throw it to uh, my fellow commissioners. Yes. Um, there was an actual gas leak on Formosa uh -huh. a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed like a pretty serious one. Um, can you give us any information on that situation? I don't know how the rupture happened. I know that it was significant in one of those... Um, um, measures that we do to stabilize it is called gas company isolate it from the building but the why behind it I do not have I don't know that okay but I can find out okay thank you I was just curious uh, commissioners anything for our fire chief oh, we're a quiet group tonight yeah um, commission secretary do we have any questions in chambers uh, we don't have any questions in chambers or on Zoom. Okay, great. Well, thank you for rushing to get here. Um, I guess we're good. Okay, we are there. good. All and right. we'll look forward to talking to you and seeing you uh, Halloween is the next time. All right, Appreciate thank you, it. sir. Appreciate the support. Um, moving on, item 7C, the block-by-block -block security ambassadors will now provide a report on activity for the month of September 2023. Good evening. Good evening. So uh, for September, we did see um, about 100 more calls uh, for service than we did for August. Um, a majority of those calls still remain consistently with our trends around the unhoused. Uh, that uh, unhoused contact uh, showed an increase um, throughout the city of between 10 and 15 percent along Santa Monica Boulevard and both parks, as well as the residentials, with both the east and west showing about the same um, increase in calls for service um, around the unhoused. Over the last two months, um, one of my major focuses have really been on reinforcing uh, training with our staff around uh, engagement with the unhoused and, um, and contacts and having more of a visible presence. And part of that has been uh, involving community outreach support um, from uh, current uh, resource providers, uh, one of them being the WeHo Mobile Care Unit, who will actually be doing a training for our staff this week. Um, as a, um, they reinforce their uh, presence in the city. Um, our ambassadors have become a great resource for them. And so we hope that we rebuild our partnerships and give our ambassadors um, more resources to reach out to more of the unhoused since we are out there in numbers. Uh, in addition, uh, last meeting we heard your concerns around visibility to the south side of La Brea near um, Santa Monica and Fountain, specifically around the Huxley. I had an opportunity to walk with community, uh, community members in the area 
and uh, we have seen more calls for service from the Huxley. That was one of the recommendations that I did make to some of the community members there, um, that they call us when they need us. Um, so we did have a few more calls coming from the Huxley that we didn't have previously. Um, in addition, we've had um, a more consistent presence throughout, presence throughout the day um, with our routes um, also touching the Huxley um, and, and throughout the day. And um, so I, I haven't heard any negative feedback from the community there, so I think we're making a little bit of progress there. Uh, let's see. Some of our challenges still remain around staffing um, as part of my work over the last couple of months has been to take a more detailed look into um, our staff and we continue to make needed changes uh, to ensure that the, the city of West Hollywood has the highest quality of service as possible. And the same goes for new hires. Anytime we're interviewing uh, folks for the team, I'm taking a deeper look and, and vetting a little bit more detailed as far as you know, who we're hiring and who we're bringing on and really taking our time to make sure that we've got the right candidates for, for our team. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest challenges right now is, is to fill some of those empty staffing uh, areas. Um, but we continue to focus on retraining around overall hospitality, communication, and engagement. Thank you. Um, commissioners, any questions for Block by Block? Um, well, I would like to personally thank you. I know they've been having a difficult time, to say the least, at the Huxley. Um, so thank you for um, taking care of our residents here. Sometimes, most people don't realize the Huxley is part of West Hollywood, but I think it's, what, 291 units of West Hollywood. So they're part of the city, so thank you. Uh, Commission Secretary, do we have any... Uh, comments in chambers for block by block? Um, we have no comments in chambers or on Zoom. Okay, great. Well, commissioners, if we don't have any additional questions, um, thank you for your time. Thank you. See you Halloween. Yes. <laughs> uh, new business, item 8A. The Public Safety Commission will receive a report from the city's engineering division on the traffic speed zone survey that justifies posted speed limits on all West Hollywood streets and allows for radar enforcement of speeds. Uh, good evening. Hi, uh, my name is Richard Garland. I'm with the engineering division at, uh, at West Hollywood. I just want to talk briefly about a citywide speed survey that the engineering division is conducting. Cities throughout California are required to conduct a speed survey every seven years if they want their police department or sheriff's department to be able to use radars for speed enforcement. It's a state law. If the study is not done within seven years, people who receive speeding tickets can challenge it in court, call it a speed trap, and, and generally have their citations voided. Since, we hose, since, since West Hollywood's previous speed survey was conducted in 2016, we are now doing the update so that we will stay, remain within that seven-year period. Um, a consulting firm conducted some speed surveys on 24 of our street segments throughout the city. We only have to survey the arterial and collector streets because local streets automatically have a speed limit of 25 miles per hour, and they don't, so they don't have to be surveyed. 
The, prelimin the preliminary results of this study indicate that 22 of the 24 street segments that, that uh, were surveyed currently have the correct and justifiable speed limit, so it does not have to be changed. And that's based on what's called the, the 85th percentile speed, which means when they do the surveys, 85% of the drivers are going below that, that speed and, and 15 are going above that. Uh, and that, again, is, is the state guideline for conducting these studies. So 24 of our, 22 of our 24 street segments that were surveyed are gonna remain the same. Two street segments need to have the speed limit reduced uh, from their existing speed of 35 miles per hour to a recommended speed limit of 30 miles an hour. And those two street segments are Fairfax from the north city limit to the south city. So all of Fairfax that's within West Hollywood and Fountain Avenue between La Cienega and Fairfax. Those two street segments will be reduced from a speed limit of 35 miles per hour to 30 miles per hour if, if this survey is certified by city council next week. That's all. Um, I have a question while it's top of mind. You had mentioned um, a speed reduction on Fountain. Someone got shocked. Um, between La Cienega and Fairfax, um, but not Fairfax and La Brea? Correct. And the, the, the results, or that, that, that finding is based on this 85th percentile speed. Uh, the segment between Fairfax and the East and, and La Brea, uh, the, the 85th percentile came in at 39 miles per hour. And you, can't, you, you can reduce that down to 35, but you cannot go another five miles an hour down to, to 30. Whereas the, whereas the speed survey on the west end of, of Fountain came in at 32 miles per hour, you, you can round that down to 30. And, and, and so that's the justification. Now, within a year or so, hope, hopefully, we're going to be installing uh, bike lanes on Fountain. And that we would then redo the survey because undoubtedly, when we take some traffic lanes uh, away from Fountain, cars will drive slower. So we will update uh, all of Fountain when that happens. Okay, it just concerns me because I'm an east side resident and when I walk on Fountain, I know when vehicles are traveling from the east, once they cross La Brea, um, it's almost like the 405 because it goes from single lane traffic to two lane and they're gunning it. And I don't think anyone really needs a radar detective to know that um, they're gunning it and exceeding the speed limit. So that just concerns me. Yeah, we were, we were generally hoping that the survey would, would come in lower so that it would be 30 miles per hour throughout uh, Fountain. But there are strict guidelines uh, that are state law that says that whatever the results come in, you have to stay within those guidelines. Now that, that ends, that changes uh, on July 1st of next year, that gives cities more flexibility from that point forward to go down another five miles per hour. So we will have some flexibility starting in July. Okay, thank you. Um, Vice Chair Saltzman. Thank you, uh, thank you for the report. I was curious if uh, North Doheny Drive between Santa Monica Boulevard and Sunset was in the survey and if it was, what the results were? Okay, let's see. 
Doheny between what and what? Uh, between Santa Monica Boulevard and Sunset Boulevard. Yes, the, 80, the it, it was surveyed, uh, well, Doheny north and south of Santa Monica Boulevard. The segment you're talking about, the 85th percentile speed came in at 39 miles per hour. And, and the, so instead of rounding up to 40, they rounded it down to 35, and that's the existing speed limit. So that the recommendation is for that to remain at 35. Thank you. And are you familiar with the, there's an electronic billboard uh, about halfway between Santa Monica and Sunset. I think the intersection is Elevado uh, that reports the speed and says slow down, essentially you're speeding. Yes. Is that something that your department's doing or is that something separate? It, it, it is, we put that up a couple, two or three years ago so that to, to let drivers know how fast they're driving. It says speed limit 35, your speed is, and then the radar gun automatically displays their speed, yes. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, commissioners, any additional questions? Okay. I think we're good, sir. Thank you for your time. We Chair, we it. do have one comment, um, public comment on this item. Oh, apologies. In chambers? Correct. Oh, sorry about that. My apologies. Kevin Burton, if you want to approach the podium, you'll have three minutes to speak. Again, Kevin Burton, resident of West Hollywood. And uh, I want to thank staff for doing this survey. And they, I remember the previous survey from 2016 and uh, adding Fairfax and the Western segment of Fountain Avenue to that is an encouraging step. I would request that as was done in 2016 that the engineering division publish its findings showing for all the surveyed streets, current speed limit, the surveyed speed limit, I mean the surveyed 85th percentile speed and the recommended change, if any, because we were given a full map with all that information. 2016, I think it's very informative for the public. Certainly. And um, it's, I did want to comment on Fountain Avenue, too, because I live just off Fountain Avenue. And I am very familiar with the gunning problem. And uh, I would encourage commissioners to follow progress on the project that Mr. Garland mentioned, that is changes coming to Fountain Avenue. The pilot project has been approved by the city council, whereby it will be reduced from two lanes in each direction to one lane in each direction, like it is. Um, east of Sycamore now for almost all of Fountain Avenue. And it is always observed that speed limits fall when such a change is made. And it's no surprise people drive faster in the single lane and that will also eliminate the very rapid lane changes associated with the high speeds that are observed on Fountain Avenue. I bicycle Fountain Avenue all the time. Frequently at rush hour I have a close-up view of that kind of behavior on the part of some motorists. Most of that will go away when it's one lane in each direction like it is going east from La Brea and Sycamore. Uh, in addition, the sidewalks will be widened. Currently, they're very sub-ADA standard, and people in wheelchairs cannot get on the sidewalk. Several locations, I've observed this with the delivery robots as well. They just run into the poles, 
and uh, people in wheelchairs have to go out into the street along Fountain Avenue back to the next driveway to get back on the sidewalk. And part of this project, a, a critical part, is that those sidewalks will be widened so that that is no longer a problem. Just widening the sidewalks, which were narrowed about 1963 by the county, will require taking street space, either on street parking and or travel lanes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commission Secretary, any additional public comments on this item? No, we don't have additional comments. And none on Zoom? None on Zoom. Okay, great, thank you. Thank you, sir, for your time. Uh, moving on, item 8B. The Public Safety Commission will receive a presentation from the city's Human Services Division regarding the West Hollywood Care Team and an update on the Hollywood Interim Housing Project. Good evening, Corey. So nice to see you. Good evening, Chair and Commissioners. I'm Corey Plank. I'm the manager of the city's Human Services Division and very happy to be bringing you an update on the West Hollywood Care Team. Um, Many of you are already aware the West Hollywood Care Team is our mobile behavioral health crisis response program built to meet the needs of the community members in West Hollywood, both housed and unhoused. We've built the care team to be responsive to the needs of the West Hollywood community members um, and engage directly with the community in the development of the team to get priorities, their priorities for the look, feel, and impact of this new team. We've also heard from many of the city's advisory boards, commissions, including this body, and the City Council to represent the diverse populations and stakeholders in West Hollywood. And thank you for, thank you for helping with the slides. If we can go to the next slide. So for our community members, um, crisis behavioral health begins by calling 988. This is the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline that was launched in July 2022. This, this number has trained crisis counselors available 24-7. And when those counselors determine that an in-person response is needed to a crisis, they will then deploy an LA County Department of Mental Health FIT team, that's a field intervention team, or if the call is from West Hollywood, they will deploy the West Hollywood care team. And we'll get into more details of how that um, dispatch program will work. And the next slide. So um, after Three years of uh, development and conversations with the community and looking for um, kind of the right sizing of this team. In June, the City Council approved an agreement with Sycamores as the provider for this care team. Sycamores is an agency that has more than 100 years of service in behavioral health care. And so we um, brought a three-year agreement that is, you can see the, the numbers there, a little over seven million for three years. This will all, this will also provide, um, the, the council's actions also provided authorization for the city manager to execute an MOU with LA County Department of Mental Health, which we are um, very close to signing. So, and the next slide, please. So what we've created is, and what we're excited about is a program design that we think offers the most broad range of service capacity to help people manage crisis from life stressors and from unmet behavioral health needs 
plus those acute mental health needs through what is a, a real hybrid approach between the City of West Hollywood and the LA County Department of Mental Health. This development process has taken us about three years from the late summer of 2020 when we started uh, these conversations. And we're very excited to report that the CARE team officially launched uh, in serving the community this past Labor Day. And they're in soft launch mode right now. They're training. They're having lots of conversations with our other providers, um, including Sheriff, Fire, and Block by Block. And so we're really grateful to all of you um, for making time to have those conversations with, with the CARE team. So this team is um, eventually will be operating 24-7, 365 in West Hollywood. Um, it'll provide trauma-informed, culturally competent services to the community, and we'll operate with uh, two peer support managers on each shift. Um, right now, there's one care team per shift. They bring expertise in assessing crisis situations, safety planning, welfare checks, grief and loss support, first aid, conflict mediation, and social service referrals. And the great thing about this, having this team in West Hollywood is that we already have such a robust portfolio of existing social services providers so that after the immediate crisis is de-escalated, that they can help, help the person find an agency home to have ongoing care. And we landed on this model for staff, um, for the care team, as it mirrors the roles of the LA County Department of Mental Health acute mental health crisis evaluation teams. And while we know that every crisis situation can benefit from peer support, um, only, some need, only some crises need the credentialed mental health clinician to assess for involuntary holds, acute treatment, and care. And this is where the care team will connect with Department of Mental Health and leverage its resources so that we can have the most acute, ca acute cases um, treated by the county. And if we we'll go to the next slide, we'll see some of the um, blended capacities that we have using the county resources. So this will, um, the 988 system gives us 24-7 crisis counselors at no cost to the city. It also provides call referral through the DMH Access Center, which is also at no cost to the city. And then because we've built this team out in close partnership with the LA County Department of Mental Health and the Alternative Crisis Response Unit there, will have access to more of their mobile response units, psychiatric care services, and appropriate ambulance transportation services as needed. Most callers, um, Dee Dee Hirsch is the operator for the 988 system, most callers get the support that they need over the phone. But again, when in-person care and support is needed, Dee Dee Hirsch will transfer the incident to the DMH Access Center for mobile response. When the access center identifies that the incident is happening in West Hollywood city limits, they will follow their standard operating procedure to, to dispatch a DMH mobile crisis team. If their estimated time of arrival is more than 30 minutes, the incident will be simultaneously referred to the West Hollywood care team. So the city's team can rally to the location um, and pro begin providing support and stabilizing care. And if you've experienced any traffic in West Hollywood, you know that any ETA from any other part of LA County is going to be more than 30 minutes. So the care team will, um, in almost all situations, be the, the responding team. If DMH is needed for additional help, the care team will be on site and help transition with a warm handoff. If we can go to the next slide, please. So this gives us kind of a big picture look at how we are um, integrating the care team into the, exist the city's 
existing kind of environment of first responders and social services providers. So as you can see, what we hope is that there will be kind of no wrong dial for people who are seeking assistance. 911 has been around for more than 50 years, so people are very familiar, um, and people are just learning about 988. So people can call 911, call 988, um, and depending on the situation and how the, uh, the level of crisis involved, the care team can serve as a secondary on-scene responder with the Sheriff's Department and LA County Fire which they have already done in their first month of um, operation. And they'll also be a resource for our um, healthcare in action and other teams as well as block by block um, when there is not a necessarily a role for law enforcement or fire on scene, but when there is a need for support and resources. So the next piece that we're excited about is the care team's um, role in moving people again from that crisis moment um, to connectivity to the city's social service agencies. In addition to the conversations we're having um, over this last month with fire and block by block and sheriffs, um, the team has also been engaged in a series of briefings with the city's contracted social services providers to make sure they understand the services available at those agencies and that the agencies understand the services available from the care team. So the um, service portfolio is more than $7 million of social services annually. In addition to this team, um, they will be able to provide those referrals and get people connected to ongoing care. And if we go one more slide, I think. There we go. So as I mentioned, the care team first launched uh, last month on Labor Day. Um, they are, we're phasing up to 24-7, 365 operations. We plan to have right now one team per shift. And based on community feedback and best practices from Department of Mental Health and our providers, the care team will operate in an unmarked SUV with no lights and sirens, and staff will be dressed in everyday clothing, no uniforms. This is symbolic of the desire from the community and from providers to provide warm, welcoming, and confidential services that are non-stigmatizing and non-stimulating. As we go through this uh, implementation of this program, we'll study program outcomes, continue to work on process improvements, and focus on sustaining those strong collaborative partnerships that we've already begun, and make sure that the community is aware of the crisis resources available to them, starting with that initial call to 988 for support. And if we go to the last slide, it'll just share with you where we've compiled all of the information about the care team, including previous council reports and updates, which is at weho.org slash care team. And with that, I will um, stop for questions and then I'll be happy to share information about the Holloway as well. Great, thank you. Um, commissioners, do we have any questions? Commissioner Nickel. Oh, thank you, Chair. Hi, Corey, good to Hi. see you. Good to see you. Thank you for the report. Um, could you talk a little bit about the difference between the MET team and the CARE team? Certainly. So um, we're very fortunate in West Hollywood to have a really um, significant continuum of care for people who are in need. So the MET team is the mental health evaluation team. The city is still the only city in LA County that we're aware of um, that funds, for, that funds um, its own specific MET team. And so we have 40 hours a week. We have a MET team that is a 
um, DMH clinician who's paired with a specially trained deputy, and they can co-respond with sheriffs. Um, sometimes I think they've gone out on fire calls as well, um, and help de-escalate situations. Um, that is with, again, that's a, with a, a specially trained deputy and a clinician, and they go out. They also go in an unmarked vehicle um, to provide kind of low stimulation and confidential services. So we have that team 40 hours a week. The care team, again, we hope to be 24-7, 365. Um, both teams serve people who are housed or unhoused. Um, and what we hope is that the care team is, provides another resource to the community. Um, it does not include law enforcement. It doesn't include EMT. Um, and they will be, again, as they're con communicating and working closely with, with sheriff and fire, they'll use their expertise where, where needed, but it'll be a team that is responding without law enforcement or EMT. So, the care team does not have a, des a dedicated deputy to respond with you. That's right, that's correct. How then is it decided which team to send? How do, I just wanna make certain that there aren't people being sent into dangerous situations without any backup. Certainly. So the 911 dispatch um, for sheriff and fire, those dispatchers will get information as any of you who've made calls to, to 911 know they get as much information as they can. They'll make a determination. Um, if it is a team that needs, they'll ask for MET to co-respond. MET doesn't typically respond first. They'll co-respond with the sheriff's deputies on scene. Um, the care team will most likely, in many situations, will be a second responder when sheriffs and fire have requested them to come out, or they will be dispatched through 988. And that 988 does not dispatch um, law enforcement unless there's somebody who's, you know, an active suicide situation where there's um, means and, and um, weapons on site. And so then there would be an activation of law enforcement. But when people are calling 988 for crisis counseling, um, it typically wouldn't... Um, trigger a, a law enforcement response. So does 988 then have the ability to ascertain if there is a need to have sheriffs involved? Yes. Okay, so they can do that. Yeah, so they have specially trained crisis counselors and they will make an assessment if an in-person response is needed and exactly what in-person response is warranted. If it's a, a law enforcement response, if it's an EMT response, or if it's a mental health team response. Got it. So you can get back up if you need it. Yes. And then you also mentioned that uh, the care team would be a secondary response, could be called out by the sheriff's department. Yes. Okay, yes. That, that's good, because uh, there was some literature released last year, I know from the city, that referred to you as a first responder. And that that's a little worrying, because the thought of just sending out people who are clinicians on their own into all sorts of situations. I've certainly been on ride-alongs. I've been on ride-alongs where people were having um, mental health issues, but it was still a dangerous situation. Yes. So our goal is that I think initially it was kind of talked about as a third first responder. Um, and so in many cases, they will be first responding through those 988 calls. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of um, 911 calls, they will more likely be back up to, to sheriff and fire as needed. Good. Yeah, uh, originally I believe that the, the idea of it being a third first responder was when money was being shifted away from the police and it was being shifted to things like these teams. But of course, in the end, just like block by block, you're going to need to go back to the police if 
if the situation arises. And, and I want to also be clear in these conversations. So as we've been developing this team, we have never advocated for any um, funding to be diverted from law enforcement or fire or EMT or block by block to be devoted to this team. Um, we have advocated for funding for this team specifically, but we work in very close partnership with both sheriff and fire and block by block. Um, and so we think, you know, the more um, services and uh, tailored services we have for the community, the better. But we, in the development of this team, has never been um, from staff side um, the recommendation to divert any funding from law enforcement for this team. Thank you for clarifying that. Can you tell us a little bit about the type of person who would serve on the care team? What is their background, their education? So it varies. So we have, um, there's a triage program manager, there's a program director, those are master level, um, and in one case a PhD level um, staff from Sycamores that are overseeing the team. Um, on the peer support side, those can be people who may have um, bachelor's degrees or have um, experience, uh, commensurate experience. Um, in some cases, they have lived experience, either of mental health experience or homelessness, or someone close to them has had that, um, that experience. And so looking at um, peer support, both in the mental health field as well as in the in homeless field, um, is kind of one of the one of the best practices in terms of making connections with community members. So, it will vary depending on the um, on the level of the team member. And how is that going hiring for this? Well, we have a lot of very good things to say about Sycamores, and one of them is that they have hired up very quickly. And so, what we were able to do is um, initially we thought we would begin with one team. Um, when we kicked off the team in September, um, but because of their success in hiring and recruiting for the for the teams, um, we were able to have two shifts covered. So we have, again, the 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. and then 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., so we've got teams there. Um, we met with them today. They've hired two more on-call staff, and they are close to hiring up for the third shift, which will be um, a weekend evening shift. Um, and more kind of specifics on the hours for that will be forthcoming, um, but they have been moving um, in, a, in a pretty aggressive and positive way in terms of staffing. Great. And the people being hired have specialized training as far as dealing with the LGBTQ community, yes? Yes. So there will be, um, there's a series of trainings that the team members will go through if they're not already. So they will be um, certified CPR, first aid, Narcan distribution, um, and the the cultural competency component of the team um, is also something that we're working with Sycamores on and making sure that um, we're hiring teams that look like West Hollywood and that they are, uh, again, culturally competent in serving our community. Great. Last thing is it would make sense, I think, for us to get a monthly report just to see the kinds of calls that happen. I understand that there, some of the information will be sensitive because you're dealing with patients, but just how many calls and, and how effective it is. So right now, because the team is just launching, we're getting, um, we're getting initial um, data from them, and then we're looking at some qualitative data because we are a small city. Um, we're not sure yet what the number of calls were going to be. We had kind of projected and anticipated that based on fire and um, sheriff's data, but we didn't have any, any way to base 988. Um, traffic. So right now the plan is that we will receive um, monthly reports the first six months and then we will um, we will compile all of that data and we'll begin sharing monthly reports at that time. We'll also have a community convening um, six months after launch so we're looking at April hosting a, a convening of that information as well and we will have to be somewhat careful about how we're reporting out based on confidentiality and so forth. But yes, there's a plan for reporting. Of course. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm Commissioner Ramian. Uh, thank you, Chair. Good evening, Corey. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for your, uh, 
for your update today. Um, I just have a question in regards to the care team, and I know like the MET team um, has a, a, a licensed clinician and a dedicated uh, deputy that responds. Does the care team have a, a, a licensed clinician? So if need be, if a 5150 needs to be placed, a 5150 will be done then and there? Yes, so the way the team is set up is that we have two peers and they are not um, licensed to conduct the 5150 hold or to, to write the 5150 hold. That's where the additional support from the FIT teams from LA County, when they're dispatched at the same time, that's where the licensed clinician comes into play. In addition, because um, we have the MET team in the city, if they need backup there and they need that clinician to write the 5150 or one of the clinicians from one of our contracted agencies who can write a hold. It's also law enforcement can write those holds as well. Um, so they have a, a number of ways that if they need to get somebody on an involuntarily hold, an involuntary hold quickly, um, they can access any of those networks to, to do that. Uh, one other quick question, because you said that the, the care team doesn't have a, a, a designated deputy. And for example, if the crisis that's happening is on the east side, say Santa Monica and Formosa, and the MET team is on Santa Monica and San Vicente at five o'clock in the evening. Now that's gonna take a good 40 minutes to get from the west side to the east side. Um, and if it's a, a, a real crisis situation where there's a, a resident who is really in a crisis and needs a 5150, that delay, I would think, that 40 minute delay is detrimental. Um, is there any possibility that the care team could have a licensed clinician on on standby to respond to these calls. So they do. They do have. They do have also. So the thing I should have mentioned is they also have telehealth opportunities. So yes, they can get um, a, cl a licensed clinician um, to help assess um, right away. And the advantage of the city choosing Sycamores um, as the provider for this team is that Sycamores was also chosen to be um, the provider for the mobile crisis outreach teams for the county for our service planning area. So we're working with the same agency that's doing the um, MCOT teams um, for alternate crisis response. And so, yes, they'll have access to telehealth um, within the Sycamores agency, but also within the Department of Mental Health. Thank you. Um, Corey, I did have a question. You said the care team, um, you're looking to get it staffed up 24 hours? Yes. Um, any idea when that might happen or? Uh, it should happen in the next 12 months. Um, Again, they staffed up much more quickly than we anticipated for the initial launch, so um, I would anticipate that they will certainly meet that goal of being 24-7 by the end of the 12-month uh, period from their launch. Okay, thank you, Greg, because I think um, these programs are so vital um, to the city. Um, Vice Chair Salzman, are you good? Okay. Um, Commission Secretary, do we have any questions in chambers? We didn't have any questions in chambers or on Zoom. Okay. Great, um, thank you. So, Corey, if you'd like to move forward. Do you want the Holloway Yes, update? please, thank okay. you. I will just give you a quick update on the Holloway Interim Housing Program. For those of you who aren't familiar, um, the city um, purchased the Holloway Motel um, at Holloway and Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, the city was also uh, received funding from the State uh, Housing and Community Development Department. Um, from Project Home Key, and a uh, little over $6 million for that program. And the city 
um, has committed to providing interim housing at that location for people who've been experiencing homelessness. So interim housing means people can have up to 90 day stays at that location. Um, getting 20 rooms at that location will double our um, current stock of interim housing beds for adults. Um, so we're very excited about that. And the operator of that, of that program will be Essencia, which is the city's current contractor for interim housing and outreach. Um, the bid for construction went out last week. Um, and so we're very excited to begin that process and um, look to have some community events, hopefully a kickoff uh, in the first quarter of 2024. And happy to answer questions as well. Um, commissioners, any questions on the Holloway project? Commissioner Nickel. Thank you, Chair. Um, so a lot of residents, when this was announced, had a lot of questions and, and concerns. Um, this is not a homeless shelter. This is, this is people that would stay there are people that have gone through a process and have proven that they are that they that they want help, correct? Well, it's it's not a shelter. It is interim housing, so people will be able to stay again for you know up to 90 days. Um, it is not a situation where they have to line up each morning for an available bed and wait to see if they can get in for that night. So once they're in, you know, once they have completed the intake, um, and there is an intake process, mm -hmm. um, so people should not be lining up at the site waiting for a bed. Um, Essencia currently conducts a very similar intake process for their location in Glendale. Um, we anticipate that they'll engage in that similar, um, in that similar process. In addition, all of the contracted social service agencies who work with our unhoused community members will be able to make referrals to the program. And so people will have gone through either a CES assessment or other um, kind of gauge of interest in services and gauge of their vulnerability and if they're a right fit for the program. Great, thank you for clarifying. And there will be security on site as well, be correct? Security on site, there'll be staff on site 24 seven. Um, so yes, there will be. And uh, can you talk a little bit about any kind of the services that might be offered to the people staying there as far as to help them find housing, job placement, any kind of training that they might need? Yes. So um, one of the, I think one of the key pieces is case management. And so uh, case management and housing navigation will happen um, through the Essencia staff on site. Those are some of the services that they currently provide. Um, that can be everything from, you know, somebody doesn't have their, ID or birth certificate or social security card. They haven't engaged um, with the system to get maybe benefits that they're entitled to. So they would go through that process so that they can um, get a lease and, and get into more um, permanent housing. Um, there's uh, opportunities for people to engage in recovery programming um, and not all services will happen on site. But again, because we have such a, a robust portfolio of social, of social services available to community members, they'll be able to avail themselves of, of those programs. So recovery programs, financial literacy programs, job training and readiness programs. Um, we'll have meals on site um, for community members. We're also looking at um, some kind of trauma-informed arts programming with our arts division. Um, so there'll be a wide variety of, of services uh, available to program participants. Great, so just to wrap it up, the residents will be vetted, there'll be security on site, and they will be helped to find permanent housing and a job if at all possible. Yes, Great. absolutely. Thank you. Vice Chair Saltzman. Thank you, thank you for the report and for all the work you're doing. I just have one question. Do you have a projection about the timing 
of when they're likely to be residents in the facility? Um, we're, I think when we see where the construction bid comes in, I think we'll have a better sense of, of timing. Um, the goal would be to complete construction by next July, and that's a very ambitious timeline. Um, and so um, that's, that's our hope and our goal, um, understanding that there are still some issues with supply chains and things I never knew about, like switch gear and other things that we're learning about um, in this process. So um, the hope is that we would complete construction in July. And from that point, um, based on the um, Home Key grant, there's, third, there's three months, um, 90 days to get people um, into the facility. So. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Corey, thank you for the update. Um, you know, I realized as chair that the last time when you were in, it was a completely different commission. So it's nice that um, our current commission gets an update on the project. Um, I'm just curious, you see you're looking at 90 days for each individual to stay? Up, up to 90 days. Up to 90 days. Um, what happens at the end of that period if they have not found a permanent housing facility or other arrangements have been made? So far, we've had good success with Essencia in kind of um, operating within that timeline. Now, occasionally, a unit that is um, associated with a voucher has an inspection process that it has to go through. And sometimes um, in, in COVID, and, and as we've come out of COVID a bit, um, those inspections have been somewhat delayed. So if somebody's like on the verge and they're waiting for the inspection to be completed, they're not gonna be exited from the program and put back on the street. Um, people who aren't working at the same time, people who aren't working toward their housing goals and working with their case manager in the first 30, 60 days um, can be exited from the program for you know, non-compliance and not working toward their goals. The, the goal is absolutely we want to get people off the street into housing and into, and into a safe environment. So the, the team at Essentia, I think, um, as the provider, they will, you know, they will run their program, um, but we haven't really had issues where people have had much extended stays. Even during COVID, they were successful in getting people into permanent housing. Um, and so we anticipate that that will be the same. And I don't know if you remember when you were in last, I mentioned um, a very successful project that I was part of with AIDS Project Los Angeles, which was a buddy program. And you know, in the beginning when this project was announced, there was a lot of concern from residents especially in the area, so I thought maybe if residents had the opportunity to get involved, um, it gives them more of an opportunity to know what services um, are provided and to maybe develop a relationship with an individual that's there. Um, have you put any thoughts into my great idea? I'm just curious. <laughs> um, so, Part of what will happen on site is that Essencia is going to be the, the program operator. And so there's, you know, we're very involved at this point, and I think at some point we will have to, like, restrain ourselves from our desire to, like, be in it more than we probably um, should be. But um, they have a successful program in terms of community engagement um, at the location in Glendale. Um, and they have many organizations and individuals that volunteer and participate in their programming there. The site's a little smaller here, um, and so some of the opportunities, like they have a guest chef program and other things at that location that we won't have room for. There's not going to be a commercial kitchen at this location, um, but I anticipate that Essencia will um, continue to do the same type of work, engaging community members and getting them involved with the program. 
Great. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Rainier. Uh, just one quick question. Uh, in regards to the program participants who will be participating um, at the Holloway Housing, is it going to be a 21 and over program? Um, and will we be allowing participants who have children, like husband, wives who have children, to also um, partake in the Holloway Housing Program? So the short answer to that is no. Um, this, this isn't set up for families, so um, Essencia has some capacity at the Glendale location, limited capacity for families, but they would also make referrals to LA Family Housing and other programs. Um, this is really um, an, an 18 and older, um, not unaccompanied minors, um, not, not families. Um, Commission Secretary, do we have any comments in chambers from the public? Doesn't look like we have any uh, public comments. Okay, and the same on Zoom? Same with Correct. Zoom, no okay, comments. Great. Um, Corey, anything else? Thank you. We look forward to a tour. Hopefully, we'll get one. <laughs> um, item nine um, updates from staff. Um, Director Rivas, you are on. Thank you, Chair, and members of the Public Safety Commission. I just want to thank um, Corey um, from Human Services and um, and Richard Garland. I know he's left in engineering, but for their their updates as well as all our public safety partners, um, it's great to to be back. I know I wasn't here uh, last month's meeting, but you certainly were in good hands um, with our uh, neighborhood and business safety manager Vito Adamitis, who provided some some updates um, to the commission. I did want to. Um, just focus um, a little bit on Halloween um, Carnival um, as the event is returning uh, back to uh, pre-pandemic um, levels, so to speak, from a street closure perspective. And so uh, similar to what we've seen during this year during Pride, uh, we will have Santa Monica Boulevard closed from Doheny to La Cienega. Um, there will be some additional um, impacts, traffic-related impacts, um, just uh, east of La Cienega on Santa Monica Boulevard to Holloway. So there will be some uh, diversion there as well to ensure uh, pedestrian uh, safety. Um, but uh, I just want to highlight for uh, members of the community, for businesses, et cetera, we've been doing a number of, of outreach sessions with our event services team um, that takes the lead in terms of looking at the programming and the street closures, et cetera, but obviously works with our, our public safety and community safety department and public safety partners um, to ensure a safe event. So um, with uh, these street closures, um, we certainly will be increasing the level of resources that we have for our West Hollywood Sheriff Station deputies. Um, we also um, enlist uh, a bureau, uh, our Emergency Operations Bureau, which is a part of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Um, and so this a specific unit, um, this is what they do. This is their area of expertise throughout the Los Angeles County area um, in terms of providing uh, additional resources
resources, providing guidance, and ensuring uh, that an event uh, such as this um, is, is conducted in a, in a safe manner. Um, so we'll have a number of, of different teams uh, specialized that will be um, here uh, present, no different than what uh, we experienced during Pride. Um, in addition to that, we'll also have uh, an increased level of presence from our Los Angeles County Fire Department. Um, I know uh, Chief Smith is, is not here um, and left, but uh, he did touch on that and mention, right, in terms of just the uh, alert um, and uh, the folks that will be um, on hand, both at our Fire Station 7 and Fire Station 8. Um, but in addition to that, there will be additional resources, um, emergency management services, or so our ambulance services, et cetera. There'll be additional resources that are provided as well. Um, there'll be a medical tent, uh, no differently than we had during Pride, um, and in years past as well, again, with uh, additional resources from that um, uh, contracted uh, perspective that the city always provides during its major events. Um, in addition to that, we will also have our um, security ambassador uh, program um, increase their uh, level of resources towards uh, more of the evening hours, um, which is when we expect, of course, for folks to come out and visit uh, our community. Um, the street closures uh, will uh, begin to be impacted as early as 10 a.m. Um, and then will be in full effect by 12 noon um, the day of Halloween. So um, that is something to, to just make mention to the community that you know, you'll begin starting to see uh, that infrastructure, um, our traffic control contractor that's placing out right the cones, the signs, and everything else that goes into um, shutting down a street, uh, especially given the stretch uh, that uh, that street closure uh, will, will have. And so um, that will begin, as I mentioned, as early as 10 a.m. Um, a little bit earlier, though, so prior to um, that street closure that will occur um, during the daytime, we will have a street closure um, here on San Vicente uh, between Melrose and Santa Monica Boulevard, and that street closure will occur um, at 12 a.m. on Halloween day. And so that segment will be impacted, and then the rest of Santa Monica Boulevard, as I mentioned, uh, will begin in terms of their uh, closures um, as early as 10 a.m. and then be in full effect, meaning that the road will be completely shut down um, in both directions, east and westbound lanes um, will be shut down by 12 p.m. And then that is when you'll start having uh, the, the building and, and some of the programming elements. Um, unlike years past, we won't have the number of stages that we've had, but uh, we certainly will have a stage here on San Vicente and Santa Monica Boulevard um, that will be built. There will be a DJ um, and there'll be um, other amenities such as um, um, decorations that are gonna be placed out along Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, you'll also have um, some designated areas for uh, vending, uh, food trucks uh, and food that will be provided. Um, and right now currently, which is pending, it has not yet been uh, approved, but it is uh, in the works and, and more than likely going to occur. That's uh, something that we haven't done before and will be the first time ever is we are working with our West Hollywood cannabis businesses in terms of um, activating um, on Santa Monica Boulevard, having a private event uh, that they are producing um, and that 
that is more than likely what will take place between Lapeer um, and Robertson um, on the uh, south side of Santa Monica Boulevard. So in the west, excuse me, the eastbound lanes um, and taking that segment there, um, there for a uh, cannabis uh, special event um, activation. Um, and so there's definitely more information that will be provided in totality in terms of the street closures, in terms of the programming, um, as well as any sort of activations. Um, outside of those activations and activities that occur within the street closures themselves, um, the city has uh, certainly been uh, advocating uh, to all of the businesses in terms of uh, filing for what's called a special event permit. And so a special event permit essentially allows a business to activate beyond what they're normally permitted to do. So for example, if you have, let's say, a, a retail space that wants to have a DJ and, and maybe a, a costume uh, a contest or, or party of some sort um, and have some level of creativity, um, decorations, et cetera, that's uh, obviously not something that they normally do, then they would just simply need to uh, file a special event permit uh, with the city's Neighborhood and Business Safety Division, and then that'll go through that review process. Uh, one of the things that our city council um, did as a part of this um, is that they did waive uh, the special event permit fees um, as well as any sort of encroachment fees. Um, and so that means that a business obviously would just have to file, submit their application, and all of that review process, et cetera, um, would not be charged to them, which is typically what is recovered uh, when we're um, charging a fee for, for a permit review, et cetera. So um, businesses, as I mentioned, um, have been communicated this, uh, was on a call earlier today uh, with a number of different uh, city divisions and departments, as well as our, our business community members, and then just last Friday as well, uh, attended the West Hollywood Chamber of Commerce call, where we also provided that information. And so we've been pushing it out. Um, we always say there's no uh, penalty for early submittal. So we make sure that the businesses are aware that they get their applications in, because as you can imagine, there's certainly a, a, a more elevated uh, volume of, of applications that staff receives, uh, most of which do get uh, processed uh, timely and get approved. Uh, but of course, there's a lot of back and forth that's involved with that. And so sometimes um, it's always best for folks to just get get their applications in as early as possible because um, there may be impacts and questions and additional information that they're unaware of that will be requested at that time. Um, in addition to that, we will have our uh, code enforcement staff. So uh, Vito Adamitis, our neighborhood and business safety manager who was here last month, um, maybe touched on it or, or not, but uh, we'll have uh, all of our code enforcement field staff that will also be working um, that evening. Um, and they're gonna be responsible for um, looking at all of our uh, business establishments, um, ensuring that the occupancy levels um, are being maintained, that security is being maintained, um, also looking at any of the walkways um, as a result of the temporary outdoor dining areas that we have in the area. So making sure that those, uh, you know, the integrity of the, those walkways is being maintained as well, especially with all the traffic. So if there's any sort of, of issues that they observe, that they can identify that, right, and address it. Um, they'll also be dealing with a lot of the illegal street vending um, that tends to occur with the major events. Um, and so that is a, a difficult task uh, to, uh, to address 
address because if, if we've all experienced that, you can certainly see uh, you know, anywhere from 75 to 100 uh, different types of street vendors that end up coming out, uh, most of which are not allowed to, to be vending, and so our code enforcement staff deals with that uh, as well. Um, and then they also um, are responding along with West Hollywood Sheriff Station deputies outside of the street closure um, towards the later part of the evening hours. We tend to get a number of calls for service regarding um, loud noise. It could be loud parties in the residential areas, and so um, our code enforcement enforcement staff partners with our West Hollywood Sheriff's deputies as well um, to address those, those types of issues as well. Um, and so that is more or less kind of the update as it relates to um, Halloween. And I just want to pause first uh, before I mention one other additional update um, to allow uh, the commission to ask any questions. Um, commissioners, do we have any questions for staff? Um, I have a question. The electronic signage that's placed throughout the city, um, I don't know the technical name that designates which arteries will be closed and at what time. Um, since we seem to have an issue with pickpocketing and incidents of such, and having a large influx of individuals walking on the streets, um, a lot of mobile targets. Is there any way to embed any public safety language um, on those machines that just suggests that people be more vigilant and more aware? It is kind of limited because you're only allowed so many lines and, and the frequency, right, when you see kind of that flash, right? And I, I can't remember, I don't have the specs uh, like in front of me in terms of, you know, um, how long it stays up, right, and the frequency. So. Um, it can be done, um, but the intent is as you're messaging, you wanna be able, as somebody is driving in, to be able to capture kind of the, the two or three screens, right, that come in. So when you start adding and prolonging it, it could impact that, um, but it's definitely something, Chair, that, that we can look into to see if there's uh, any sort of possibility for us to kind of incorporate that. I know we typically have uh, them place the, the changeable message boards, CMS boards. Um, we typically have them placed strategically um, in certain locations that obviously will impact as drivers are coming into the city, right, of where they're gonna obviously um, get stuck in traffic. So, um, but we can certainly look at that, but I think, um, even as uh, Commissioner Adam had mentioned earlier about the pickpocketing, I think working with um, our uh, business uh, businesses specifically, especially in the Rainbow District, it's gonna be so important uh, to be vigilant, I think to make announcements, and I know many of the businesses already do. Um, they put up posters, they even have kind of changeable electronic um, signage um, in the restrooms and in certain other areas, um, I think would be very helpful. And I know even some venues even had their security staff at the door that are informing folks, right, as they're coming in, hey, listen, be vigilant, uh, make sure that you have your, you know, your belongings as, as close to you as, as possible and that you're on the lookout. Um, but there are just, you know, thousands of people that obviously we're expecting no differently than we've seen during Pride and even more so is what we're expecting 
happening during Halloween. Um, if, if the years past have been any indicators, um, we're expecting, right, uh, tens of thousands, maybe even up to over 100,000 folks uh, that are going to be coming to the city. So um, I think messaging is going to be so important. Um, one of the things that we do plan on doing leading up to Halloween, um, we did just have a uh, business public safety meeting in, in August, um, but I think it's going to be uh, very prudent for us to uh, reach out to our business community, um, have a virtual meeting, um, and uh, just kind of do a quick check-in uh, with our West Hollywood Sheriff Station um, and our community safety department here at the city to just re-emphasize that. So it's definitely something that we plan on doing, um, but we'll definitely look into that. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, commissioners, any questions? Uh, Commission Secretary, any questions from Chambers? It doesn't look like we have any public comments. Okay. Um, Director Rivas, if you'd like to proceed. Yes, uh, and, and so the, the final um, update that I just wanted to provide to the commission and to the members of the community is that um, the city is going to be offering a free American Red Cross CPR first aid and AED certification training. Um, that is scheduled to occur on Saturday, November 4th. Um, there is information that's already placed on the City West Hollywood's calendar. Um, I do know that there will be a, a press release um, issued soon or did it go out already uh, and I'm looking at Jessica it's soon right <laughs> soon so I just wanted to make sure because I know I did see kind of a, a draft of it so there will be a press release uh, issued um, that will be sent out by the city they'll be inviting community members um, this this training does fill up pretty quickly um, and I believe uh, chair had had gone through maybe a part of it but it is a kind of a two-part where um, you are provided information as part of the first part that's online that you can do uh, from the comfort of your home um, at your convenience it's about a two-hour online um, informational training um, and then you uh, print out uh, right whatever uh, demonstrates that you've completed that training when you've completed it and then you bring it in and the second part of that is actually the hands-on training and that's something that um, our community safety department has partnered with our uh, recreation division here at the city on and so taking advantage of our great um, lifeguards and our aquatics uh, staff that are certified uh, trainers in terms of providing this um, and enlisting their assistance and they've been grateful enough so um, this is the the second um, offering uh, that we've done we plan on doing this at least once a year um, it was well attended last year um, and again just additional information once we push that out um, you know through the press release um, place it on the city's calendar and have all that information for community members so uh, we'll be sending that out to all the commissions and and just inviting community members as well I know um, there have been a couple of outlets already that uh, have already pushed that out and so um, if folks do want to register there's information uh, through our recreation division aquatics team um, there for folks to be able to register and reserve a spot. So uh, with that, um, Chair, I'm uh, done with uh, my uh, updates for this evening. Great. Um, Vice Chair Saltzman, I believe you have a question. Yes, I have a question about a separate issue. If I don't want to go in front of others if they want to ask about the things Director Rivas already spoke about. Um, any comments about? No? Okay. Uh, Director Rivas, I'm just wondering if you could give a brief update uh, for the commission on the status of the public safety technology proposals that were discussed in the August joint session with the council. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so uh, kind of the, the next steps involved uh, for the public safety items, so we did have the special meeting for members of the community that are unaware um, in August um, that included both our public safety commission and our city council. And so one of the items uh, that uh, Commissioner Saltzman is mentioning, or excuse me, Vice Chair Saltzman is mentioning is related to public safety technology. And so included in that item, we had 12 different um, options for consideration uh, for the city council to consider. Um, and based off of the direction that staff received at that time, um, the plan is to return um, at a later date, but that date in terms of what staff is, is planning to do uh, tentatively is scheduled for December. Um, and so we typically provide our semi-annual uh, public safety update to the city council. Um, and so we're planned to do that um, in December. I don't know whether or not it's gonna be the first or second meeting in December, um, that's yet to be determined, but it will definitely go in December. And so um, we plan on returning. There was uh, a lot of input and feedback from the public, a lot of input and feedback from the commission, as well as the city council that came out of that special meeting in August. And so what uh, we are gonna be doing is obviously providing additional information on those items that were uh, brought forth and discussed. Um, and then returning in December for the city council to further consider um, moving forward uh, with certain items uh, or not. Thank you very much. Um, commissioners, any additional questions? Um, thank you, Director Rivas. Um, item 10 is public comments. Um, Commission Secretary, do we have any comments? We don't have any public comments. Okay, thank you. Then item 11, comments and items from commissioners. Um, commissioners. Vice Chair Saltzman. Yes, I'd like to follow up <clears throat> on the, uh, the report Director Evis just made about the 12 public safety technology proposals. Uh, and as I understand his report, those proposals will go back from staff to the city council in December, but will not come back to our commission. Uh, and I just wanted to suggest that, since I think our commission has some expertise that might be helpful to the council, that we ask the staff to put on our agenda for discussion in our November meeting, those 12 safety technology proposals, so that if we have opinions or views or knowledge about them, we can offer those, and then the staff, uh, when it reports to the council for the December meeting, could include that information in a memorandum to the council. Uh, and if that, if that uh, is something that is attractive to our commission members, I have a motion which I'll make, which is I move the commission instruct the staff to include the public safety technology proposals as a discussion item on our November agenda, meeting agenda. Um, do we have a second? A second. Okay. So then will we be able to see that on our agenda in November, Director Rivas? Do we see a consensus uh, with oh. the, the rest of the commission and chair? Oh. Um, I'm in agreement. Commissioner Ramian? Uh, I agree as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And we'll definitely uh, place it as a, a debrief um, of the, the special meeting that occurred uh, in August. Certainly don't see uh, a problem with that. And actually the timing, even though it'll be a little bit tight, I think we're gonna be just perfectly fine in terms of um, re-applying um, the, the same staff report 
Um, staff will not be uh, planning on providing a presentation, so I just want to be upfront with that with the commission. Um, but obviously, it'll be the same staff report, um, and then we'll hear from each of the commissioners in terms of any additional input and feedback. Even if it's the same that we heard in August, I think it'll be helpful um, to have that discussion. And then to Vice Chair Saltzman's point, we can uh, definitely um, consolidate um, all of that information um, and then uh, send that to the city council when the item returns before them in December. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Um, thank you, commissioners. Um, any other comments? Yes. Um, Director Reeves, I have a question. Um, how long does it take um, once the commission approves something to be agendized to come in front of the commission? Um, I believe it was like in July we, had, we were having discussions about restaurants, bars, being able to communicate with each other. Um, and I had, believe I had mentioned patron scan. Um, how long does it take for something like that to get agendized to, to, com to come in front of the commission so we can maybe invite someone from patron scan uh, to give the commission a little description about what they offer? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it definitely depends on the work plan and, and the workload, right, that uh, the staff have and, and in reaching out. But we can certainly look into, um, uh, I guess I would refer to it more as like a patron check-in um, system. Um, I don't know if I would want to get into a specific vendor um, in terms of that, but uh, I know there are a number of them. Um, I do know that um, that discussion did occur as a part of the nightlife uh, special study session um, that occurred uh, several months. I believe that was earlier this year. Um, and I could be wrong, maybe it was last year, uh, but uh, uh, that did occur also between a number of different um, advisory boards and commissions. Um, typically speaking though, to answer your question, if there's something that is asked from a commissioner, there's consensus, right? It passes. Um, if there are concerns with the timing, um, I know Vice Chair just requested um, kind of the, the public safety technology item. I know that's a, a timely item. And so understanding that, knowing that that's gonna return back to the city council uh, for discussion because there's direction that staff receive from the city council um, to return, um, then you know that's certainly something that we would prioritize and, and work into. But if there's a timing, um, you know, uh, concern, then staff will certainly bring that to the commission's attention. So you can always request, hey, do you think it's doable um, if we can maybe have this agendize in the next two meetings or three meetings, um, you know, or the next meeting, right? And if there's concerns, we can certainly talk talk through that. But I'll make sure to look at, um, look at the agenda. I know if we're gonna be placing the public safety technology um, item on the agenda in November, we probably wanna keep that, um, agenda light, uh, so to speak. Um, we do have an item that will be brought before the commission, um, and I should mention that actually during uh, my updates, and so I'm just remembering that from our um, planning, uh, long-range planning division, and so you will have vision uh, zero. Um, I believe the chair was involved in maybe some providing some input and feedback in the past, and so um, that item is, is slated to uh, come before the commission in November, um, but we could add the public safety technology item. So maybe it's uh, December, we can look at December in terms of uh, maybe adding that to the agenda. Thank you. And I also just want to, part of my public comments, um, I took a Narcan training last week. Uh, it was very informative. Um, and it, you know, it was a 30-minute, 40-minute training session, you know, outlining, being able to identify 
if someone is having an overdose, what to do if there's an overdose, how to administer, uh, administer Narcan. So that was very informative. And unfortunately, with all the overdoses going on in our community, I think it's very important uh, that everyone does somewhat familiarize themselves with Narcan, how to administer Narcan, identify the, the signs of someone overdosing um, to, to be able to save a life. Um, so I feel that was very important. Uh, if any of the, my fellow commissioners want information on the training, I'll be more than happy to share that with them on who to reach out to for that training. Um, and the last thing I want to do is like uh, the community academy that the West Hollywood Sheriff's Department has been putting on has been phenomenal. I believe there's two or three more sessions left. Uh, it's going to be sad when it's over. It was, it's been very informative. I want to thank the uh, West Hollywood Sheriff's Department for putting on a, a great program, a great educational program for the community to come and learn about the different departments of the Sheriff's Department, from the K-9 team to the SWAT team to the MET team to everything that our, our deputies and law enforcement officers have to face on a daily basis. So I highly encourage the community who has not taken it this time around to look out for it uh, when they offer it next and definitely sign up for it. It's very educational. Uh, thank you. Um, I also, in agreement with Commissioner Ramian, um, attending the Sheriff's Academy, thank you to our Sheriff's Department. Um, they put a lot of great work and effort into providing um, this program for us. It has been very informative. And watching the K-9 team work last week um, was a great opportunity. Um, I know there's a field trip this week that several of us won't make, but you know we'll get a special trip. But um, with community members, I believe there's talk of maybe doing this twice a year. I highly encourage anyone in the community to please, you know, consider this program because it um, it's just great to have a better understanding of how things work with our sheriff's department. Um, Commissioners, any other comments? Uh, yeah, um, same thing. The Community Police Academy is amazing. Uh, the speakers that have come before us, including the Deputy DA Hatami, everyone's been really, really great. And um, so I encourage everyone to, to do it as well. Um, I also just wanted to mention that I always try to speak to residents just about issues going on in their little part of West Hollywood. And I know that there's some stuff on Hayworth that's been happening that I think could benefit from having an active neighborhood watch group there. So I, um, I started my own neighborhood watch group. That's how I got started years ago. I'm, I'm an advocate of neighborhood watch groups. I know that there was one years ago. This will be around Hayworth and Norton. Uh, it is inactive now. I, if anyone wants to be a block captain, wants to step up, wants to form one, they should reach out to staff. Uh, it sounds daunting. It sounds sort of scary. Neighborhood watch like you're going to be out patrolling. It's not like that. It's actually really, really useful. You have direct contact with the city. Um, Ms. Plank, Corey Plank, who was just here when I started my group seven years ago, she came and sat in my front yard along with the sheriff, um, staff and just talk to the people on my street so it can really make a difference um, not just for Hayworth but anywhere there's not an active neighborhood watch group thank you um, commissioners any additional comments
Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, we are adjourned until our next meeting on Monday, November 13th, here in Chambers at 6 p.m. Have a great Halloween.